0: It just doesn't get any better than this if you are a Kansas City Chiefs fan. The Chiefs capture their eighth straight victory and sit just one game behind the Denver Broncos, who blew away a big lead in the second half against the Pittsburgh Steelers. So a lot going well right now for the Kansas City Chiefs. And hey, look, it feels pretty darn good to be a Chiefs fan right now. I, I know a lot of Chiefs there's There are still a couple Chiefs fans out there who... Are spewing negativity. Just have this pessimistic point of view. But you know what? At the end of the day, a lot of NFL teams would kill to be in Kansas City's position right now. A lot of fans wish they had what the Chiefs had right now. An eight-game winning streak in December right now. And possibly going into January, that, that winning streak could continue to grow. Just when we thought the Broncos were going to run away with this division, the Chiefs... Of all teams who were in last place in this division, they're coming back. And we might be witnessing the biggest divisional comeback in NFL history. Speaking of comebacks, the Chiefs are the first team in NFL history to win eight consecutive games after losing five straight. Eight games, might I remind you? Not one. Not two. Not three. Not four. Not five. Not six seven, But eight consecutive wins for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, obviously a remarkable turnaround. It just continues to get better and better for the Kansas City Chiefs. And this eight-game winning streak is the third longest streak in franchise history behind a pair of nine-game winning streaks from 2003 and 2013 when the Chiefs started 9-0 in both of those seasons. The Chiefs, if they win this week against the Cleveland Browns, They will win nine straight, tying for the best streak in Chiefs history, matching the starts to 2003 and 2013. I'm Farzin Vasuki, and thank you so much for downloading and listening to this edition of the Chiefs Zone Podcast. If that intro right there, that stat I just read to you, if that's not enough to pump you up, I don't know what is. But I'm sure that pumped all of you guys up. I know a lot of the negativity uh, throughout the season, it's decreased and... Chiefs fans are feeling good. It's it's good to be a Chiefs fan right now. It really is. And I know that a lot of Chiefs fans, they weren't so sure about this streak early on. When it was two, three games in a row, Chiefs fans still wanted to see more. And look, eight games, that's half of a season. That's 50% of an NFL season. So for the Chiefs to be able to win eight in a row, that speaks volumes as to what Andy Reid and the personnel, the, the players on this team the entire coaching staff and look you've got to throw in the general manager as well john dorsey because he built this football team as well it speaks volumes as to what everyone's done and the hard work and the effort they've put in to help turn this football team around this season as always appreciate you guys listening to this podcast be sure you do subscribe on itunes and tell a friend about this and have them subscribe as well to the podcast through itunes and as always Interact with me on social media, like my Facebook page, Farzine Vesugian, and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. As always, love all the interaction with you guys on social media, whether it's positive, which a majority of it is, or negative, a little bit of it, uh, some pessimism there. But look, my message to anyone who's still pessimistic, and here's the thing that I've been getting, and I understand where some Chiefs fans are coming from when they say these things. A lot of Chiefs are are still talking about the fact that this team hasn't won a playoff game in forever. Look, guys, we're in December. It's the middle of December, or toward the end of December, I should say. This is... Nothing can be done this second to fix that playoff mishap that the Chiefs have dealt with, unfortunately. However, this team is doing what it can to position themselves to get to the playoffs so they can't snap that drought because it's been 21 years and 11 months and by the time the playoffs get underway it'll be what I mean if we want to be literal it'll be 21 years 11 months and 3 or 4 weeks give or take a couple days around there so close to 22 years since the chiefs Last one, a playoff game. gets a franchise that doesn't exist anymore. I, I understand. I, you know, in all my years of being a Chiefs fan, I haven't I haven't seen this team win a playoff game either. I, I, I thought I saw it a couple of years ago. Unfortunately not. But at the end of the day, this Chiefs football team is finding ways to win games, get into the playoff hunt, take a wild card spot, and per, perhaps a division... That's how cool it is to be a Chiefs fan right now, watching this team come back. Speaking of coming back, I think Andy Reid, if the game of football, God forbid, just happened to stop after this season, and if we had to look back at the history of the Kansas City Chiefs, I think Andy Reid holds a big place in this franchise's heart, because and listen, I'd be willing to go on the record to say that he's not necessarily the best head coach in franchise history. I think Marty Schottenheimer and Hank Stram, uh, not in that order, obviously. I'd put Stram first and then Schottenheimer. But I think Andy Reid, and I want to make sure I have the right word for this because I, I, I he's not the best yet. I mean, if he won a Super Bowl this season, I, I think you might be able to build a case. As to why he's a better head coach than Schottenheimer as as a Chiefs head coach. But as far as Andy Reid's footprints with this franchise. I think he might be the most inspirational head coach in Chiefs history. Because let's go back to 2012 for one moment. Not that I want to relive that season. But if you think of everything that happened... With that franchise on the field, and I, and I know some unfortunate matters happen off the field. Of course, fans flying banners over the stadium, the report about someone from the Chiefs in the social media account that was used, and that got negative publicity, and of course the incident with Javon Belcher. So much negativity with that team, and only winning two football games. What happened in one off season? Andy Reid comes in, with virtually the same roster. Sure, you changed the quarterback and you got a couple new players on both sides of the football. But at the end of the day, with nearly the same roster, Andy Reid turned this two-win football team to a 9-0 and team. In 2014, the Chiefs started with an 0-2 record. All of a sudden, they turned their fortunes, eventually had a five-game winning streak going, held a 7-3 and record. Now, unfortunately... That 2014 season didn't end well for the Chiefs. This year, however, after winning the season opener, going on a five game losing streak, the Chiefs have turned their season around a complete 180 this season. And, you know, I said earlier, Kansas, Kansas City, the first NFL team to go drop five consecutive games and then win eight in a row. It's never happened before. Andy Reid's never gone 1-5 in his career as a coach. What I'm trying to say is, Andy Reid is proof that there are no excuses in the National Football League. The Chiefs have won 8 in a row without Jamal Charles, who is arguably the best player on this football team. And probably one of the most explosive offensive weapons in the NFL. The Chiefs have been winning their past couple of games without their best defensive player in Justin Houston. And again, like I said, I'm not ready to name Andy Reid a better head coach than Hank Stram or Marty Schottenheimer. You know, I, I think if we if we had to name the top three coaches to ever coach this franchise, I think in order we would all agree Stram, Schottenheimer. I think there are some fans. Might pick Schottenheimer over Stram. And I, I think you can make a case for both, but it, I, it'd be hard to go against Stram number one because he won a Super Bowl with Kansas City. Took him to the other Super Bowl. The only two Super Bowls the Chiefs have been to. Schottenheimer, I, I, you know his record in Kansas City speaks for itself. And then Dick Vermeil, I, I, I think with the job he did in the short amount of time he was in Kansas City, he really did bring a lot of re- re- relevancy and just helped continue to make Arrowhead a raucous environment. And you look what happened after Dick Vermeil left. You got Herm Edwards, uh, n- n- not too good. The records continue to get worse and worse in those three years. Todd Haley, okay, a little bit of relevancy there, but for the most part, it, it was more negative than positive. Same thing with Romeo Cornell in his brief stint with the Chiefs. Then you bring in Andy Reid, and... Watch out, this franchise, it's one of the more relevant franchises in the NFL. 11 wins in 2013, 9 wins last year, 9 wins this year so far, possibly 10 or 11 to finish the season. The Chiefs have finished above 500 for three consecutive seasons no matter what happens the rest of the season. That has not happened since 1997. The Chiefs, for a long period of time under Schottenheimer, finished above 500 but the last time it, it, it happened for three consecutive seasons it was from 1995 to 1997 so this is a pretty good time to be a Chiefs fan not only has Andy Reid helped the team dig out dig themselves out of the basement from the NFL but this is now one of the more relevant and competitive teams in the National Football League now i know what a lot of chiefs fans are going to are going to say they still want that playoff win, and I understand, and I think Andy Reid's going to get there. If there is a head coach that I've ever felt confident in, I know Dick Vermeil. a lot of people felt really good about that Indianapolis game in 2003, Herm Edwards, uh, I mean, it wasn't the most exciting 2006 season for the Chiefs, the way they got into the playoffs. Todd Haley, I, I think some fans felt really good about that because it was a first division win since 2003. And then with Andy Reid, you you had that wild card game, starting 9-0, but I don't know if I've ever felt this good about a Chiefs football team possibly snapping a playoff drought. And th- this is coming from the point of view that the Chiefs haven't even clinched a wild card spot yet, or a playoff spot, I should say. So there's still a, there's still some time left in the regular season but I'm pretty confident and as are a lot of people that the Chiefs are going to get that playoff spot whether it's as a wild card team or a division winner uh, me personally I, I think it's going to happen through the wild card but hey look uh, you know so, so many of us wrote off this team and, it, and I'm not going to lie I, I'm included in, in that group as well we wrote off we wrote off this team after that 1-5 start so at this point uh, with Kansas City really anything is possible and so much has gone Kansas City's way during this winning streak. The Cincinnati Bengals without Andy Dalton right now. The Denver Broncos have dropped two in a row. I mean, we were all on the Sprock-Osweiler bandwagon, and now there's this talk about, hey, well, is there is there a possibility Peyton comes back, which we'll touch on later in this podcast. But thank goodness, when there were reports that Andy Reid could have gone to Arizona, thank goodness that was not the case because Andy Reid has changed this franchise for the good. And that's what this franchise desperate, that's what this fra- the, the fan base desperately needed. I can go on and on about how the Chiefs fans are the best in the NFL because they absolutely are. And with the way things have Turned out and and unfolded this year. Chiefs fans really do deserve this. So I'm pretty excited. And with Andy Reid, you've got to give him a lot of credit. I know a lot was made about his time in Philadelphia. Philadelphia, A long time there, not being able to capture a Super Bowl. But here in Kansas City, he got a fresh start. Got off to a 9-0 start in his coaching career with the Chiefs. And he just surpassed Todd Haley. For most games coached in franchise history. Todd Haley couldn't complete his three years here. The Chiefs have not had a coach finish his three years here since Herm Edwards. Give it up to big ol' Andy Reid. Because he has done so much for this Chiefs team in less than three years being here. And because of him, the Chiefs are rocking and rolling. And they were rocking and rolling this past week against the Baltimore Ravens. He Kendrick West scored a 38-yard rushing touchdown on a 10-play, 89-yard drive to open up the game. But a choreographed celebration with Albert Wilson and West penalized the Chiefs, allowing Baltimore to get good field position to start off their first offensive drive of the game. Uh, And from that point, they marched to a quick 6-play touchdown drive. The Chiefs looked like they were in a bit of trouble there. But the turning point came really quickly when Derek Johnson forced a fumble scooped up by Tyvon Branch And that was a big point of the game as he ran all the way for a touchdown. His second defensive touchdown in the past three games for the Chiefs. He's really stepped up in Hussein Abdullah's absence. And that's what you need in this football team. Especially during this streak, you're trying to turn the season around and compete for a playoff spot. You look at the offensive side of the ball, how Spencer Ware and Chuck Kendrick West have stepped up. Ware, who was active, didn't play in this game. Uh... Now you've got guys on the defensive side, D. Ford, Tyvon Branch. It's someone new every week. Sarno, I know I've made this comparison before, and I'll continue to do so. It's kind of reminding me of the Kansas City Royals. Uh, you know, it's hard to pick one guy that stands out more than anybody. Sure, Lorenzo Cain was in the MVP run right there, but at the end of the day, the Royals had someone who stepped up on different days. It's not just one guy that repeatedly did the same thing over and over again. You're having different guys come through. Last week it was D. Ford. This week it was Derek Johnson and Tyvon Branch working to get a turnover for a defensive score. That was the turning point in the game right there. And again, Baltimore with really a boneheaded 4th and 9 call in the first quarter. Sam Cook, the punter, uh, run up running up the middle, fell 2 yards shy on that fake punt. The Chiefs manufacture a quick three-play drive as Alex Smith connects with Jeremy Macklin in the end zone. I, I want to touch on this connection with Smith and Macklin later. Jimmy Clawson, uh he pulled the Tyler Palco, throwing a miracle touchdown to Kamar Aiken. It was 24-14 to at halftime, and Chase fans were freaking out. The Ravens only scored in the first half because of a penalty and luck on a miracle play right before halftime. That almost never happens. So I, I saw so many Chiefs fans just panic on social media. Look, Baltimore didn't even score the rest of the half. Chiefs took care of business defensively, shutting down the Ravens. Marcus Peters, give it up to this guy, came away with two... Let me say this. So much is made of Marcus Peters, and a lot was being discussed on social media. And he had three bad quarters in this game. You know, there is no hiding from that. His coverage... Needs a lot of improvement. And listen. When you're making the transition from college to the NFL. Playing that secondary position. Especially cornerback. That's not easy. That's a very difficult transition. For defensive backs to make. But Marcus Peters held them there. Got one interception. Took it 90 yards to the house. They got another interception to seal this game. Give it up to Marcus Peters because seven picks leading the AFC, leading the NFL with 234 interception yards returned. And there's a 98-yard gap between Marcus Peters and Rams cornerback Tremaine Johnson, who's second in that category. And by the way, Marcus Peters ties second in the NFL in total interceptions. uh, Coincidentally, tying with Kurt Coleman, who played for the Chiefs last year, had three with Kansas City last season. But Marcus Peters, man... I don't know if I can remember a Chiefs rookie who made such a big impact in his first year. And if this is just a preview of what's to come down the road... I'm really excited for Kansas City, especially with what you have up front. You've got Justin Houston locked up long term. Tom Bahali's still going to be here for a couple of more years. It seems like the older he gets, the better he gets. You've also got D Ford. So, with an injury to Justin Houston, you have D Ford stepping up and making plays. Because, listen, you do need good pass rushers in order to be a good defensive back in the National Football League. And Marcus Peters has all the resources around him. A great coaching staff. You've got a guy like Andy Reid and a great position coach. And Emmett Thomas, who of course won a Super Bowl with Kansas City. One of the greatest defensive backs to play the game. And then you've got your teammates. Let's not forget about that. You've got the pass rushers up front. Guys who are going to be here long term. So this Kansas City defense, they're going to continue to play at a high level for years to come. And Marcus Peters is going to have a big hand in that. Takeaways from this game. uh, Justin Houston inactive again. uh, But according to Ian Rappaport from NFL Network. Hopes to return this postseason. Spencer Ware was active but did not play. As we heard from Terrence Paylor of the Star in the podcast last week. Justin Houston might be saved for the postseason. And look, I'm all for that. The Chiefs are already dealing with plenty of injuries. Uh, They can't afford anymore. So if anyone has a nagging injury... Hold them off because this Chiefs team is doing just fine with the players they have. Let those guys who are currently in the training room, let them spend some time these last two weeks recovering so they can be fresh in 100% or close to 100 for the playoffs. Another big takeaway, Alex Smith and Jeremy Macklin, they've established some strong rapport on the field. The last four games, Smith and Macklin have connected 31 times for 373 yards and four touchdowns this is what we've been waiting for and what we expected from Macklin when he came uh, and reunited with Andy Reid here in Kansas City. I also want to touch on Charkendrick West, who continues to dominate. 16 carries for 76 yards and a touchdown, including that 38-yard run that I mentioned to start off this recap. Did it on a third-and-one play when he only needed 37, got, or pardon me, only needed one, got 37 more, and helped the Chiefs. Draw first blood in this game. Travis Kelsey was an asset in this game. Six catches for 73 yards. That's more catches and yards in the last two games combined for Kelsey. So they definitely want more of this from him. More production from Kelsey on a consistent level. Similar to last year, uh, he, he's been a really good tight end this year. It's just there are moments where he, he's he's a non-factor for the Chiefs. And the Chiefs want consistency out of him. And then, of course, the defense... Uh, just overall playing great, allowing just 12.3 points per game fewer than 12.3 points per game during this winning streak. In fact, the last 10 games, no one has scored more than 22 points on this chief's defense. And the chiefs pretty much routed the Ravens in this one 34 to 14 a big win for Kansas City improving to nine and five on the season going 8-0 and in the past eight games. Uh, like I said, a lot to feel good about from this game. A, a, a bad, struggling Ravens team, and the Chiefs did what they need, needed to do. They took care of business, and this is what great teams do against bad teams. And Chiefs are a great football team, and the Ravens just happen to be a bad football team. Just not their year. Uh, they've been dealing with a lot of injuries, but so has Kansas City. Uh, like I said earlier, Andy Reid is proof that there are no excuses in the NFL, regardless of the injuries, the schedule, what you have to do in order to make the playoffs. Because, I've said this a couple of weeks ago. Had the Chiefs started this winning streak one week later, they would be behind in the wild card race. And, looking at the schedule that Pittsburgh has, a fairly easy schedule. The Jets, they've got New England this week, but... It it would have been hard to to believe uh, that Kansas City would have had even a 6th seed. So they started to get hot at the exact time. The right time. Now, speaking of playoffs and getting more, the division is within reach. However, a lot of Chiefs fans have been entertaining the idea of possibly not winning this division. Because of the possibility of playing host to the Denver Broncos or the Pittsburgh Steelers and some fans would rather see the Chiefs go to the playoffs as a wildcard team so they can visit a team like the Texans or the Colts, uh, whichever team wins that really miserable AFC South division. First of all, as Herm Edwards said, you play to win the game. Just play to win and whatever happens with Denver and, and Pittsburgh and, everywhere else and the rest of the two games, it'll happen. Now, as far as playing easier teams, sure, I, I get it. Uh, playing Houston or Indianapolis, uh, which, you know, say whatever you want about the Colts in the history the past 20 years against the Chiefs in the postseason, but, uh, I mean, look, whatever hap- has happened the past few years against the Colts in the playoffs, it's not relevant to this year. I understand history repeats itself from time to time, but... This is a really bad Colts team that the Chiefs could easily take advantage of. In fact, I would love to have Andrew Luck because Andrew Luck has not been playing very well this season. He's been booed by Colts fans. Remember that whole suck for luck campaign that a lot of NFL fans wanted? Well, Colts fans are booing the guy who they got from the draft that year. And again, so what? You're going to play a weak team. Yeah, a better chance to snap that long 22-year drought. But the ultimate goal, I mean, some of the players on the team, they've they've won a playoff game before. So they don't have the same mindset that fans have. For me, the playoffs, and I understand we're going to have an AFC South team and an NFC East team that are going to win their divisions With perhaps a record of 500 or or below. And I get that we're going to have a couple teams in the playoffs that are are, are just not good. But at the end of the day, this is the playoffs. You're not going to face the Cleveland Browns or the Dallas Cowboys. Or whatever terrible team you can think of. You're going to be facing the best of the best. That's the playoffs. That's the playoffs. So listen, for me, I say let's hope that Denver loses out and that the Chiefs win out. Well, Denver only has to lose one, really, and the Chiefs have to win out. So I say let's hope for an AFC West because I want to see this fan base get a playoff game at home. I mean, look, Arrowhead unfortunately lost a a game this year because of uh, the game in London, and then there have been a couple bad games, not not bad games on the field, but just a bad game to attend because of weather. And then you have to consider early on in the season, the Chiefs only had two games at Arrowhead Stadium in which they were warm-weather games. rest of the games that the Chiefs have played at Arrowhead either have been at London or have just been in cold-weather environments. And I understand, that's what football is about sometimes, playing in, in those conditions. But listen, if it's a playoff game, Fans don't care what the weather is like. They will go and they will pack Arrowhead Stadium. So let's go ahead. Bring on the Broncos or the Steelers or whoever. Let's get a game at Arrowhead Stadium in January. Uh, And of course, I'm referring to after Week 17 because Week 17 will be in January. Let's get a postseason game at Arrowhead Stadium. Let's get these fans. These Chiefs fans deserve a postseason game at home rather than having to travel to Houston or or Indianapolis even though it might make for a great road trip let's have that at Arrowhead and from that point on let's just keep going because you never know this is obviously a new season for Kansas City from the midway point when they got this thing going so and I'm shocked a lot of fans are pondering the idea of not winning this division I say win the division bring on whoever and because in the playoffs your record in the regular season doesn't matter everyone is and 0 at that point and listen, as Chiefs fans have some confidence in your team and their abilities, there is a lot to like about with the Chiefs in all three facets of the game. Alright, a lot lot of good things happening with Kansas City. We'll get to our preview in this podcast as well, uh, a super podcast here due to a short holiday week, but before we do that, oh boy, big story around the National Football League. Let's go around the NFL. Odell Beckham Jr. versus Josh Norman, and yes, things can get intense when you face an undefeated team this late in the season. So you get amped up, and that happens. I, it's it's what happens. It's a human thing, but it's no excuse for what these two guys did to each other. The tripping, the throwing each other down, helmet to helmet hits, hands in each other's faces. Now, Odell Beckham Jr. is getting most of the heat, and deservedly so, for a guy to be the golden boy and on the cover of Madden. He was certainly no role model, especially for those kids watching. Now, the refs let this get out of hand. There should have been ejections a long time ago, and it never happened. And surely there had to have been warnings. Maybe they didn't do that either. Kind of similar in baseball, when the umpires issue warnings to both sides. Let them know, hey, look, anything else that happens from here on out, we're just going to start tossing people out. I blame the veteran leadership from both sides here and the coaching staff too. Now, I don't agree with Tom Coughlin taking out Odell Beckham Jr. He, he, these guys are fighting for a playoff spot, a division in a week, an NFC East. He's not going to take out his best wide receiver, arguably the best wideout in the NFL. Now, the NFL gave OBJ a one-game suspension. He had so many personal fouls, didn't get ejected, and he's out for just one game. Now, here's the stance I have on this. Head injuries. Let's not just point the finger on the league for how they handle head injuries. Some players are known to hide their concussions. And did you see, by the way, how Odell Beckham Jr. went for Norman's head? Stop blaming the NFL for head injuries. These players are viciously and carelessly hitting each other, and here's... Odell Beckham Jr. aiming for Norman's head. And it's mostly defensive guys. Odell Beckham Jr., crazy note, the first offensive player ever to be suspended for a helmet-to-helmet hit. And this guy was trying to end Norman's career. Could have hurt him physically. I mean, if there were melee weapons that you would need for a zombie apocalypse, just available on the field, and and yeah, there, there were those pump of baseball bats that the Panthers are no longer going to use. But if those weapons were available, I think Odo Beckham Jr. and probably Josh Norman would have both used them. Because that's what these guys were after. I mean, they wanted to accomplish something more than just pushing and shoving. We've seen shoves. We've never seen this before. That is inexcusable. Also, report from NFL Network's Ian report, Peyton Manning is serious about not being Brock Osweiler's backup. Now ESPN's Jeff Leggould spoke to Manning and to John Elway. Manning called it BS, actually saying that word, and said it's not even true. John Elway refuted that report and said that the team will cross that bridge when they get there. By the way, Denver choked away another game. Third week in a row they have been shut out in the second half. And the thing about this is, listen, if you are struggling and not playing well, you're going to be the backup. I know you're Peyton Manning. I know you want one more Super Bowl ring. I know you've got all these records and, and future first-round ballot Hall of Famer. But listen, if you are playing poorly, leading the NFL in interceptions, you will be a backup. That's the way it works. There's no getting around it. You, you play poorly, this poorly, you're the backup. And the Denver Broncos cannot afford Peyton Manning to come back in the postseason and screw it all up, especially with this defense. I know the defense gave up against that Steelers defense, but man, you, you don't want that to happen in the postseason. You don't want Peyton Manning to again hurt your team in the playoffs. Appreciate you guys listening to this holiday edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all of you. This is a super podcast, so we've got our recap and preview all in one podcast. So if you're not able to listen in one sitting, Uh feel free to listen to this some other time, as long as you can do it before kickoff on Sunday against the Cleveland Browns. Uh, a lot to touch on here on this edition of the Chiefstone Podcast. Uh, j- just looking over as I record this, the Pro Bowls have just been released. The Pro Bowl roster just released. Tight end Travis Kelsey and cornerback Marcus Peters will be going to their first ever Pro Bowl. Somewhat surprised that Travis Kelsey was voted in. But Marcus Peters, hey, I-, I-, I said what I said earlier about this guy. He definitely deserves the Pro Bowl bid. And I think he might be the first rookie to get voted into the Pro Bowl since Eric Berry. Both secondary guys, both defensive backs. So that just goes to show how great Kansas City is uh, and the luck they've had when it comes to drafting defensive backs in the first round. Tom Mahali and Justin Houston and Eric Berry, who I mentioned earlier, they will continue uh, to go to the Pro Bowl unless good things happen later on in the playoffs. However, Derek Johnson fell behind in the Pro Bowl voting but uh, I don't doubt that he could be a top alternate if needed. Now, if none of these guys are playing in the Pro Bowl, that means one of two things. One, hopefully not the case. That means these guys all suffered injuries and decided to forego playing in the Pro Bowl. Or the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. Therefore, these players are going to forget about this game and prepare for a much bigger game obviously we'll take the latter now we'll see how what happens from, from here on out if uh, if the Chiefs don't make it all the way to the championship then yeah sure you love to see these guys in the in the Pro Bowl it's um you know the Pro Bowl is interesting to me because a lot of us say we don't care about the Pro Bowl but a lot of people still watch it it used to be after the Super Bowl so there would always be this Oh, okay this is my last football fix until August, so I'll, I'll take a look at it. So, But but then at the same time, even though so many people say that they don't watch it, the ratings are so high, and we still make a big deal out of who gets voted in and who doesn't. So, say what you want about the Pro Bowl, but even with social media now, a lot of players have kind of expressed their emotions, whether they get voted in or not. I remember Brandon Albert a couple of years ago, uh, when he was still in Kansas City, he did not get invited to the Pro Bowl one year, and he he let his feelings no- get known. It, it was kind of like, you know how in high school you may have some indirect messages to somebody, uh, and Brandon Albert kind of had something similar to that. So, nonetheless, I think if the Chiefs. Uh, don't make it to the Super Bowl. I think Derek Johnson will get in. There are always alternates due to injuries and guys going to the Super Bowl. So I think Derek Johnson will eventually get in. Possibly Alex Smith, uh, maybe Jeremy Macklin, but nonetheless, uh, good group of guys who I think do deserve it. There are always going to be surprises and snubs. Uh, so, uh, you know, hopefully these guys enjoy it if they end up, uh, playing in this Pro Bowl. Appreciate you guys listening to the Chiefs Zone Podcast. Be sure you do subscribe on iTunes. You will get a new episode each and every time you log into iTunes when a new episode is available. Also, like my Facebook page, Visugan and follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Real quickly, go with uh, Week 16, so much is happening here. The Chiefs clinch a playoff spot this week with a win plus a Baltimore Ravens win over the Steelers or a New England Patriots win over the Jets. The Patriots over the Jets, very likely scenario. So if the Chiefs take care of business against the Browns, which we'll touch on in uh, just a moment, then the Chiefs can rely on the Patriots to, oh, by the way, all, all three of these games are noon, Chiefs, Browns, Ravens, Steelers, and Patriots, Jets. So we'll find out at approximately 3, 3.30 if the Chiefs have locked up a playoff spot. Now, a lot of you guys wondering about the AFC West, and I hope I convince a lot of you that, look, this is the playoffs. You're going to have to play the best of the best anyway to get to the Super Bowl and win it. So I say let's hope for an AFC West victory. Bring an bring a playoff game to Arrowhead Stadium. Let's get that place loud and bring on whoever, whether it's Denver, Pittsburgh, anybody, Kansas City, have some confidence in this team because they can do it on all three facets of the game. Now here's a tiebreaker for the division. Number one is head to head and the Chiefs and Broncos beat each other once. So the next tiebreaker is the division. Now Kansas City is four and one in divisional games whereas the Broncos are three and two. So Kansas City gets a the tiebreaker there. However, if Denver does defeat the Chargers in week 17 and if the Chiefs fall to the Raiders in week 17 both of them would be tied at four and two. That would bring them uh, bring us to record in common games, where as of right now, the Chiefs are six and three, and the Broncos are seven and two. Now, if it does come down to this tiebreaker, that means Kansas City lost to either Cleveland or Oakland, and if the Chiefs lost to Oakland, and the Broncos beat the Chargers. That means we are going to go to this tiebreaker right here. And that would be bad news for Kansas City because in uh, record in common games, Kansas City is 6-3. and Denver is 7-2. And uh, you don't want that. Now, if some crazy scenario, we are forced to another tiebreaker, then the Chiefs would win when it comes to conference record. And again, a lot would have to happen for for these guys to end up here. So, in fact, it would I think it would be bad news for Kansas City if it meant coming to this uh, conference record because that mean that mean that would have mean Kansas City had lost a couple of games. But but, it, but but if Kansas City loses at any point, that means Denver wins the division. So, yeah, I take that back. Actually, it, it would it, one loss wouldn't even allow you to get to this tie record here. So really, it's the division now. For what it's worth, the conference record. Kansas City's 8-2, Denver's 6-4. But really, it's just that division record right there. One loss for Kansas City, the division's pretty much over and wrapped up, and it belongs to Denver. Now, if the Chiefs do win, and the Broncos lose this week on Monday Night Football, then... The Chiefs are going to be tied for first place with the Broncos. Then we look at the division record, and Kansas City has the edge there. So then we go to Week 17, and that's basically going to decide it for all of us right now. You look at that, and Kansas City has to win against the Raiders. If Denver falls in that game, then the Chiefs win the division. So if Denver loses out, which I don't foresee happening then the Chiefs win the AFC West. if Assuming they win at least one of these games. I think Denver ends up winning this Monday night against the Bengals. And assuming the Chiefs win, uh, they would still be one game apart. Uh, Denver, if I'm not mistaken, should clinch a... uh, Yeah, they will clinch at least a playoff spot. And so would the Chiefs, most likely. But at that point, you would absolutely need the Broncos to lose to the Chargers and the Chiefs to beat the Raiders. So yeah, crazy scenario, a bit confusing, but that's the, that's really the case. And I know I mentioned the record against uh, in, in record in common opponents in in the, in the conference, forget about those because really one loss for Kansas city, then it basically it's impossible to even get to that tiebreaker, the second and third tiebreakers. So really it's just a divisional uh, tiebreaker. After, of course, head-to-head. So, then it makes sense because it is for the division. So, Kansas City, obviously, pretty much has to win out. Sure, Kansas City could win one and Denver could lose out. But you always want to have control of your own destiny. Plus, you never know if Pittsburgh surpasses you. and just goes on a on a surge in the last two games or in New York. And you never want to take that risk. So, that's really how things stand right now in the AFC West and the AFC wildcard race. Keep in mind, a Chiefs win plus a Ravens win or a Patriots win will allow Kansas City to go to the playoffs for the second time in three seasons under head coach Andy Reid. And it all starts this weekend when the Chiefs play host to the Cleveland Browns a 3-11 rounds. Not a very good team. And offensively, a lot's been made with Johnny Menzel on the field, off the field. Just a crazy Uh, situation to be a part of. uh, Offense ranked 24th, 13th in passing, nearly in the bottom, nearly last in rushing, 29th and scoring only 18.1 points per game. Now, Cleveland's been fortunate on third down. They're tied with three other teams for third most converted third downs with 85. That's eighth in the NFL in third down conversions by percentage with 43.4. Johnny Menzel, he's played in eight games. He started in five. He's been named the starting quarterback uh, for the remainder of the season as of two weeks ago. He's completed 61% of his passes, seven touchdowns, four picks, has fumbled six times and has lost half of them to the opposing team. Uh, last two games against the 49ers and the Seahawks, uh, just an average quarterback, 40 of 63 for three, 431 yards. Pardon me, 431 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. He's been sacked five times, has scrambled nine times for 27 yards. Nothing great, just hype, just Johnny Manziel from college hype. Uh, nothing eye-grabbing about Manziel, really, and I think Kansas City's pass rush is going to take care of him in this game. And even even if he does try to sc- scramble, I think Kansas City has great inside linebackers in uh, defensive ends. Guys like Alan Bailey, Jay Howard, Josh Maga, Derek Johnson, Josh Munger doesn't really get the attention that he deserves, and I I think that's because he's part of a really elite linebacking corp, Uh, but he's been making a lot of plays too, uh, limiting pass catchers for little or no gain, I think he'd be able to do the same against Johnny Manziel if he had to face him in a situation where Manziel's trying to scramble, but... Uh, there's not a lot here. And I mentioned rushing 29th in the NFL. Isaiah Crowell, a step back from last season, had three rushing touchdowns this season. He accounts for all rushing touchdowns by a running back. Josh McCown has the only other rushing touchdown. He's a quarterback, of course, now a backup for the Browns. Uh, rookie Duke Johnson also involved. He's fairly active. Both running backs average 3.7 yards per carry. Again, uh, hence why the rushing attack or lack thereof is the fourth worst in the NFL. Wideouts. All right. Uh, we'll touch on this very briefly. Brian Hardline and Dwayne Bo, they were supposed to be the solid contributors, but Hardline got hurt and Bo has just been a, a major bust. Uh, and I think it was Courtney who tweeted me uh, asking if what, what kind of reception is Dwayne Bo going to get? And. I honestly didn't even think about this. I, I completely forgot that Dwayne Bow was even on this football team. He had back-to-back catches, or catches on back-to-back plays, I should say, last week, which was the first time this season for Dwayne Bowe. Uh, that just goes to show you how bad of a season. I think he only has seven catches on the year for the Browns. It has not been a very good season for Dwayne Bow. He has five receptions, I take that back, for 53 yards. He's been targeted 12 times. This season, uh, look, I know he's remembered more for bad things than good things, but he he has the second most or the second most receiving yards, and I think overall, when it just comes to wide receivers in franchise history, Dwayne Bowe is the second best behind Otis Taylor, and part of me it was Chris. Uh, who who asked me that on Twitter? His last name is Courtney, so I, I got that mixed up. I apologize, Chris, uh, for um, getting your first name, last name mixed up. But I, I think Dwayne Bowe. If um, if Dwayne Bowe gets a catch, the PA announcer is going to say his name. He's going to say a "catch made by Dwayne Bow. And uh, I, I don't. I, I honestly don't know what to expect because he has a high mark in, in the franchise as a wide receiver compared to the rest of the wideouts who have played for this franchise and then uh, like I said remembered for more bad than good as a chief so it's hard to say if I had to take a guess I, I I think they'll go ahead and uh, and applaud him I remember attending the game uh, the uh the first home game he had in 2013 the Chiefs had the first home game since Dwayne Bow had was arrested for uh speeding and possession of marijuana and when they introduced Dwayne Bow uh pregame during the player lineups. A lot of people gave Dwayne bow a standing ovation. Everyone stood up, clapped for him. So, fans have always had Dwayne Bowe's back. So, I think they'll give him uh, just a brief cheer. N- nothing similar to what Billy Butler had when he came back uh, in his return with the Oakland Athletics to play the Royals. I don't think it's going to be anything like that. Um, it's just, hey, he's back. Cool, big deal. Uh, but I, it's very doubtful his name gets called because of... The fact that he only has five catches this season. Travis Benjamin and Taylor Gabriel, the wideouts for the Browns. Benjamin's been somewhat good. 61 catches for 893 yards and five touchdown grabs. Uh, Gary Barnridge, who just got uh, snubbed in the Pro Bowl voting, and I'll be honest, I think he deserved it over Travis Kelsey. Um, He's really uh, the most dominant pass catcher. For the Browns, he's, he's big when it comes to production for the Browns' offense. Leads the team in catches with 68, in yards with 930, and touchdowns with 9. Uh, he's in the top five among all tight ends in the NFL in all three of those categories. So he's definitely worthy for a pro especially when you go through all those quarterback switches in a single season and you're still in the top five in your position in those three stats right there. That's impressive. So I, I think Gary Barnage... Doesn't get the credit he deserves because he's in Cleveland, so he gets overlooked easily. Um, And and, uh, that's unfortunate because this this is a guy that I think a lot of teams would love to have on their football team as a tight end. Offensive lineman, tackle Joe Thomas on the right side. Uh, Pro football focus ranks him the best left tackle in the game the Chiefs uh, faced. Uh the best guard last week in Marshall Yonda, now facing the best tackle in the game in Joe Thomas. Uh Again, he, he's the best overall tackle in the NFL playing um, on the right side. And then Schwartz or pardon me, uh, Joe Thomas on the left side, Schwartz is rated the eighth best uh, overall tackle, second best right tackle in the NFL. So, Kansas City's pass rush, uh, as good as it is, I, I, I think they're still going to get through against a very good uh, but uh, a, a group of offensive tackles that will definitely challenge Kansas City's front seven. Guards, John Greco and Cameron Irving, both very bad. Uh, if Jay Howard attacks the inside, going through the middle, he might be able to sneak through and come away with his third straight game. With a sack for the Chiefs. Center Alex Mack. Mack, He's going to the Pro Bowl. Despite having kind of an average season. He surrendered four sacks this season. But he's always been known as one of the more dominant offensive linemen. Interior linemen. Since he's been drafted in the NFL. Defensive side of the football. 27th in total defense. 22nd in stopping the run. Dead last in the NFL. In stopping the run. You know what that means? Kendrick West. Gonna have a pretty good game, and look, it doesn't take a genius. Uh, I'm not the greatest with, with uh, fantasy football advice, but worth starting him on your fantasy football team if you have him. Uh, and by the way, D, uh, the defense, uh, when it comes to scoring, uh, second to last in the NFL, allowing more than 27 points per game. Uh, they have also gotten to the quarterback 28 times. That's 22nd in the NFL. Only 8 interceptions. Marcus Peters alone has 7. The Browns, have, as a team, have just one more pick than Peters. That's a heck of a number right there. But the 8 interceptions, that ties for 25th in the league with San Diego and Jacksonville. So as far as takeaways go, they have only 17 which ranks them twentieth, and then giveaways they, they they've turned it over 25 times. That's the seventh most in the NFL. Uh, but as far as the defensive side goes, if your last name is Bryant and you play for the Browns defense, uh, odds are you're pretty good. Defensive end Desmond Bryant leads the team in sacks with six. One of the better defensive ends in the NFL in this three-four uh, scheme. Outside linebacker Armani Bryant. Has Been rotating in quite a bit with rookie Nate Orchard, who uh, Bryant, uh, the other Bryant, the outside linebacker, has five and a half sacks. Uh, defensive end Randy Stark, Starks, he's the next most viable pass rusher for Cleveland. And after that, there aren't many good guys on Cleveland's defensive line up front. Uh, inside linebackers, Carlos Stansby, who had a good career in Arizona, uh, he's a good cover linebacker and, a, and above average inside linebacker, leads the team in picks with three, has nearly half of the team's interception total. The Browns have a total of eight on the year. Secondary, not a big threat, especially without Joe Hayden, who's on IR. Special teams, kind of interesting here. Travis Coons is the worst rated kicker by pro football focus in the NFL, and it's not even close. Uh, And it's due to his inability with kickoffs. 58% 58% of his kickoffs have been returned, uh, which is a very high margin, or a very high percentage, I should I should say. He has just 25 touchbacks. That's one of the fewest in the NFL. Pun returner Travis Benjamin, who I mentioned also a wide receiver on the team, has the 6th most pun return yards with 296. Also has a touchdown uh, on special teams this year. So uh, special teams kind of up and down just depending what you look at. Uh, but I think overall, uh, the defense, not very good. I mentioned, uh, you know, they're second to last in uh, scoring defense, and they're dead last when it comes to stopping the run. So you know this is going to be a field day for Kendrick West. And then on the offensive side, I think uh, with Alex Smith, the, the passing game, I think he's going to have another good game, possibly connect more with Travis Kelsey and Jeremy Macklin. Just get some, just get some more chemistry going before that playoff game comes comes along, which, look, I, I think Kansas City can handle business in either of these final two games, the Raiders and the Browns. I, I I think they beat the Browns in a one-sided game. I'll get to my score in a second, but as far as the offense for Cleveland, I, I think there are some problems that they could pose right there for, for the Chiefs. We mentioned Marcus Peters, not the greatest when it comes to coverage. Uh, they are 13th in the NFL in passing, so that's something to consider. And Johnny Menzel, he's a triple threat Quarterback. He can run with the ball quite a bit. He can definitely make some plays. Did that a lot in college. So I think Johnny Menzel, he'll make some moves and some flashes here, but I don't think it's going to be anything. I think Kansas City's front seven is going to handle Johnny Menzel and keep him in check. I, Kansas City wins this one in a blowout, and they'll give the fans at Arrowhead a, a fun football game to watch and will make it worth their time and money. I've got the Chiefs in a one sided football game 41 41- 10 at Arrowhead Stadium and uh, a, a nice late Christmas gift for Chiefs fans and then of course Monday Night Football I'd love to pick Cincinnati but I think in the end it's going to be the Broncos that take over and uh, they, they'll, they'll end up winning the AFC West but nonetheless uh, the Chiefs will get into the playoffs and it'll be really exciting for Chiefs fans to turn around and now uh, winning 8 straight, look to make it 9 straight, and if they make it 9 straight, that will be the third time in franchise history that they've won 9 straight games, which is huge because that compares to the 3 and 2013 starts the Chiefs had with a 9-0 start. That'll do it for this edition of the Chiefs on Podcast. Thank you all for downloading and listening and staying all the way through nearly an hour with this podcast. Merry Christmas to all of you. Hope you guys enjoyed this edition of the Chiefs, as well as all of the editions. For those of you who are new, thank you again for listening. Merry Christmas to all of you. Be sure you like my Facebook page, Farzin Visugian, and also follow me on Twitter at Farzine21. Enjoy the holidays. Stay safe. Take care. Enjoy your weekend. Let's hope for another Chiefs victory, and then we'll come back and discuss the final game of the regular season, but hopefully not the last game overall for the season as uh, we've obviously got our eyes set on the postseason have a great weekend Merry Christmas once again to all of you stay safe I'll talk to you next week